3: welcome to our cnbc special report i'm scott wapner volatility the word of the day a stock stage a major comeback today with the dow erasing a more than 1100 point loss and actually closing up 99 points the nasdaq saw its biggest intraday reversal since october of 2008 so is this the sign of a bottom right now i'll take a look at futures somewhat quiet it is early volume is light and we will keep on that Throughout the hour, I should also let you know Asia is open. It's already trading lower, and we'll follow that as well. Also, tonight, I'll be joined all hour by my friend and Mad Money host, Jim Kramer. We're going to talk to CNBC experts and investors about whether this bounce can be trusted and what all of it means for your money. First, though, a play by play of today's wild market action.
4: I would tell people look, if you really want to know where to buy, Keep your powder dry to the last half hour, but
5: just the last half hour has been a nightmare. Markets are plunging an hour here into trade. Dow's off of the uh, lows of about 750 to the downside. As
4: much as I'm gonna hate to do this,
6: I'll probably be buying some stocks today. We've drifted lower, found some bids, drifted lower again whether it stays that way into the last hour of trading, that's going to be a key to watch.
3: Take a look at the major sell-off underway on Wall Street at this hour. The Dow Jones Industrial Average now down by 800 points, slightly off the lowest levels of the session. But elsewhere, there is
5: carnage all over the place. The excesses we've seen, in 2020 and 2021 are in the process of being rung out.
7: You have to go back for the NASDAQ to October 2008 for the
8: last month that was this bad. We've got less than 40 minutes to go and the recovery continues. This final hour feels a lot different than what we have been accustomed to in the last few sessions. 30
4: seconds left and unbelievably, we are up across the board for the three major averages. And this type of action is just not
5: comforting And I don't think anybody's going home feeling like they got this thing nailed, even if they bought the lows.
3: Oh, it was quite a day. We do have full team coverage breaking down the market volatility from which stocks were hit hardest to fears of war between Russia and Ukraine and whether the Federal Reserve is moving too fast. Let's start now with Dom Chu and today's
6: wild trade, Dom. Well, Scott, Jim, it didn't look like this in the morning during Squawk Box when we kind of started our trading day to day. But if you take a look at the way that the action Panned out by the time everything was finished. You mentioned that move higher. The Nasdaq composite has been the epicenter for a lot of the action on an intraday basis. We were down almost five percent. And you can see you're closing up by almost uh, again three quarters of one percent. A huge swing. Some of the parts of the market that have become a huge focus for that big bounce back driving a lot of the action. Technology is a big part of the story, and so is energy. Take a look at this overall. If you look on an intraday basis, these are three ETFs that track those three key parts of the market. The iShares Expanded Tech Software ETF, ticker IGV. The VanEck Vector Semiconductor ticker SMH, and then the energy sector spider, ticker XLE, they have moved from intraday's low, you can see there, just around noon today, Eastern time, to where we closed anywhere from a 5 to 7% swing for those key industry groups. That's a huge move higher on an intraday basis. Those parts of the market were key. Now, would you believe it if I told you within the S&P 500, there were 14, just 14 stocks, though, that traded at 10% or higher from their intraday lows today. That's how big of a swing it was. The three biggest gainers in the S&P 500 today from their lows of the session to where they closed the day were these three stocks. Moderna, big vaccine news, vaccine maker over over the course of the last two years. Etsy on the online marketplace side and Enphase Energy. These stocks, again, around noon to the close have gained by about 13 to 14% on an intraday basis, Scott, it just goes to show you just how big of a swing certain parts of the market got. Whether or not those buys can stay that way is a huge investor question, especially when it comes to those chip stocks and software ones, guys.
3: Absolutely, Dom. Thank you. That's Dom Chu. Jim, it was wild. Yeah. It was breathtaking. You heard Dan Niles in our opening piece. I hate it, but I had to buy it. At some yeah, point. That's and what apparently I said.
4: others did as well. Right. That's what I said. At the investing club this morning at 1026 I said, "Listen, I know. It's painful. Hold your nose. Find something to buy. A lot of people did. Now, look, there were still 57 percent of the stocks were down, only 39 percent up on the New York Stock Exchange. That's not exactly what we like. Uh, I understand what Mike Wilson said, which is that you I want to disagree with him. But I understand you saying, well, look, no matter who how you left, you're probably not happy. Well, no, that's not true. You see, because if you bought at the low today and you want to flip it tomorrow morning, you can. But more importantly, when we go down back to these levels, if we do, instead of feeling like let's press the bets, let's increase the short position, we're going to break people. Now you have to think, oh, shoot, I really do have to buy it. So the psychology of a market, this market changed. today. You pointed to nine to one
3: stocks that were down. And you said, look, even if you hate it, you got to buy it. It mirrored what you told the investment committee, as you said this morning. Let's listen to what you said in your morning meeting about 1020 this morning about this market and what investors should do.
4: The reason why I am in inclined to want to buy is that I don't think we're in a recession. Now, people want to sell right here. And the reason why they want to sell right here is they want to get rid of the pain. Okay. now getting rid of pain is an emotional issue. I've gotten rid of pain in Confessions of a Street Act. You can read a moment where I got rid of pain and how wrong it was. So what you have to do is the opposite, the opposite of pain, which means you have to do some buying. Yeah, hard to make that decision. And we did a lot. We did a lot of buying for the club. Now, look, I've made a lot of mistakes. We all have. Sometimes you get them right. Uh, you know, look, we, we, you and I think about the NFL all the time. I mean, sometimes we get them right. You can't just say, you know what? That was sure. I made it right for the uh, last uh, last 13 seconds. But I lost when I played against the Niners. I mean, no. what happened here today was there was some exquisite buying and there was a climax sell. Nine to one happened to be something that Mark Haynes, the late Mark Haynes taught me. He would always say to me, Jim, if you're staying so negative after it's nine to one, uh, negative to positive, then you're probably going to miss a very big move. Now, Haynes taught me that in, say, I don't know, 88. So I'm loathe to be able to say, you know, that didn't work after I saw it work. I've seen it work for a generation. So people may say, you know what, uh, there's not a lot to buy or whatever. Or Dan, who's very good, bought something. I come back and say the the, the, the psychology changed today. We'll dissect it much more uh, in the moments we have ahead. Meantime, geopolitics
3: also weighing on investors as Russia builds its presence at the Ukrainian border. And President Biden spoke with European leaders today. Kayla Taoshi has the latest for us there. Kayla?
9: Scott, President Biden held a nearly 90-minute virtual call with those European leaders. He said it had total unanimity as NATO allies chart next steps, with Ukraine's security situation intensifying. Top senators from both parties met tonight to continue negotiating a sanctions package that needs bipartisan support to pass. A bill by Democrats and the White House gives President Biden sole authority to trigger the sanctions. I'm told Republicans don't like that, especially after Mr. Biden appeared to waver on the extent of any potential incursion at a press conference last week. The Biden administration has also been evaluating possible curbs on semiconductor chips uh, exported to Russia, according to my sources. That's a move that could keep Russian consumers from getting phones, cars and computers. And tonight, CNBC has learned U.S. officials are negotiating with energy companies to redirect cargoes of natural gas to Europe in case of an adverse scenario that further crimps Europe's energy supply. Currently, Europe gets about 40 percent of its energy from Russia. In Moscow, no surprise, the specter of these harsh sanctions tanking markets. Russian stocks falling 8 percent Monday, the ruble hitting a 14-month low. Meanwhile, the U.S. putting 8,500 troops on high alert to deploy at a moment's notice to bolster NATO's defenses in Europe. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said NATO allies wanted those assurances.
4: But for our part, unilaterally, we wanted to make sure uh, that we were ready in case that call should come. And that means making sure the units that would contribute to it uh, are as ready as they can be uh, on as short a notice as, uh, as possible.
9: Kirby said that notice could be as short as five days in some cases and that NATO will make the call to deploy them. Scott.
3: Kayla, thank you. Kayla Tausche with the White House as the backdrop. Tonight, Let's get to the big event this week. Everyone is talking about Wednesday's Fed decision, of course. Steve Leisman joining us now with more. Steve?
1: Scott, the Fed has to rank highly on the list of what's causing this crazy volatility as investors jostling over who will hold what stocks and at what interest rate the Fed meets this week. And expectations are that it will confirm market expectations for policy to tighten this year far more than markets believe when the Fed last met in January. Here's what we expect from the Fed. It will declare its employment and inflation goals met or nearly met, confirm the possibility of four rate hikes this year or a 1% funds rate from just about zero where it is now, confirm the likelihood of reducing its balance sheet depending upon all of this on economic conditions. The focus of the market for the Wednesday meeting is on how aggressive the Fed will be, how much does it hike rates and reduce the balance sheet and over what period of time with prices rising 7% year over year and likely to remain high, Fed policy now seems squarely focused on the inflation side of its mission. That means it's less concerned with overall economic growth, employment, and least of all, the level of the stock market. One thing that seems clear from today's trade, whatever the fears in the market about the Fed, there remains considerable amount of cash on the sidelines to buy the dips. That means volatility is likely to continue, but there looks to be something of a cash cushion beneath the market as it weathers tightening from the Fed, Scott.
3: Steve, we appreciate it. We'll see you over the next 48 hours for certain. That's our Steve Leesman, our senior economics reporter. I'm back with Jim Kramer, of course. That is the big question. How much, if at all, will this turmoil in the
4: market impact and influence Jim Powell? I didn't see any dip buy. What I saw was a conclusion of selling. Uh, one of the reasons why this market has been so ferocious is because the dip buyers lost that a long time ago. And they were buying stocks uh, that we all know multiple sales. They were buying one of the 600 stocks that frankly has come public in the last year uh, that are probably worthless. When I say worthless, what I mean is stocks stop at zero or they would be a minus five and you're in my world. Uh, But what did happen today was I think people realized, you know something, we have to be a little bit careful. I mean, We now are dealing with a stock like Microsoft that was at 349. It's now down to 276. I mean, you know, that's just a little too harsh to continue to sell. I did not see, going back to Mike Wilson, the buyers didn't come in. The sellers walked away. If the buyers had come in, then you wouldn't have these bad ratios at the end of the day. I mean, they weren't great. And that's why I think we're going to see lower levels again, because we did not see some sort of blowout earnings tonight. I mean, we can talk about IBM. People didn't like the cash flow. People were looking for 11.5. They did 10 to 10.5 as a forecast. But I come back and I say they missed it. They missed. It. And the reason why people miss it is because they're still very worried about Wednesday. But you heard what Steve said. He basically traced out to me the worst possible scenario and said it's going to be that scenario. The worst possible is the scenario. Anything less than the worst possible, I'm a buyer. You referenced Mike Wilson, of
3: course, the strategist at Morgan Stanley, yeah. who had a note today saying that winter. He went the win- is, he went quote, the winter thing. Fear. I'm against the winter thing. I should also let you know that what is it like the lion in winter, like the
4: Shakespeare? You want me to like, do Shakespeare? You want me to do Stephen th- King? This,
3: this evening, there's another note out from a gentleman that our viewers have heard from many times over the years. Barry Bannister of, of Stiefel calls what happened today, uh, the bounce back, a head fake. Hey, uh, f- the correction's going to continue. And he's talking about S&P 500 downside to 4,200.
4: OK, OK, well, look, I mean, look, anything's possible, but I just think you have to be thinking about, look, there's two markets. Just not unlike even in, 2000, in 2001 there are two more. There's these markets of companies that make a lot of money, and they do things, and the companies are really good. Uh, Halliburton this morning, really a fantastic quarter, by the way, totally overlooked. Fantastic quarter because there was so much mayhem. And then there are other companies. I mean, something called a lightning round today is like, look, Jim, this is a four dollar stock that's losing, you know, everything that it has. Uh, but don't you think it sounds true? No. Um, you remember the companies that came public, the Spacs. I mean. You know, the, 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 the SPACs are so deadly, and yet they're out there, and they're lurking, and people are trapped in them. So those people are going to have some tough times. But I just simply do not believe that you're going to see the, these really high-quality companies go down. Because other than J.P. Morgan and Netflix, I know you can say, well, that's it. No, but, you know, all the, almost every bank stock went up.
3: There were these so-called Kathy Wood stocks, the ARK stocks, the ARKK. They may It was down 9% at one
4: point. And bounce back positive. Is that yeah, a statement of any kind of those back. kinds of stocks? Well, that's the push short, the push short, the push short. We're going to speak to Matthew Boss. And you'll see a lot of the retailers... Uh, you know who's a terrific guy from JPM. A lot of the retail short positions have built up. Look, the the, the battle against Kathy Wood, it's it, it's like Bo Jess. She's like a zinger. Every you know, every man dead or alive must do their part. I mean, people are just trying to annihilate her. At this point, it's probably worth focusing on something else. I don't like the stock she buys, but more important, I don't like buying down every single tick and then saying you're early. See, because you're late. And you're wrong. And those are things that you and I both know. You know, when you win the coin flip, okay, and, 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 and right when we go outside regulation, we have the coin flip. I mean, it's too late. It's like you get the ball. Yeah. And like the ball's been taken from her. She doesn't get the ball back. You see, we scored a touchdown, she doesn't get the field goal either. That's what happened. She's out of the playoffs, okay? Now you, but, but that doesn't mean you press your bet against her. She's out of the
3: playoffs. Let's find someone else. See if she's back. Um, we're lucky to have you for the whole hour. I'm so not going anywhere. We're going to hear more from Jim Cramer throughout this hour. Up next, we'll have a real look at the retail trader. TD Ameritrade's JJ Kinnahan will explain how average investors are responding to this market volatility. Plus more from Jim about where he sees opportunity, if anywhere, right now. We'll be right back. A wild day for stocks with all of the major averages reversing and closing higher after the Dow plummeted as many as 1,100 points earlier in the day. Futures market right now pretty quiet despite today's volatility with the Dow S&P 500 and NASDAQ futures all slightly lower. As you can see, their S&P futures off by about 1%. NASDAQ futures off a little bit more than that. And we already told you that Asia is open and trading and is lower as well.
4: Thank heavens. You don't want an up opening. That's just going to trap people. This is perfect. It couldn't be anything worse than an up opening. People get all excited. People listen to you all the time. They, they hear you say that Well, you know be a Jamo. I mean, the market opens up big. Sellers come in, and people who bought it at 1230 to 1, makes them look good. Let it come in. Do wonder no
3: what, what the retail investor is, is thinking amid all of this volatility. Let's bring in J.J. Kinnahan. He is the chief market strategist at TD Ameritrade. It's good to see you. Thank you for being with us this evening. You Thanks, do God. watch retail like a hawk, J.J. What are we learning today?
5: Well, Scott, it's really interesting. Uh, You know, one of the things that we've seen in the past is that Apple and Microsoft are usually the first places our clients actually turn to the downside. So just watching the action over the last week, Scott, I would have expected to see the same pattern. Apple, absolutely same pattern. Our clients go to it, you know, they get the sort of double whammy on a good way for both these stocks that to the downside they're considered safety, to the upside people consider them growth what's interesting and going into Microsoft earnings tomorrow a pattern I find very interesting is that our clients didn't really buy Microsoft as much uh, as they normally would in the past I think there's a little bit of fear going into Microsoft earnings now this afternoon as we caught some momentum we did see some more folks turning there but those two particular that was the first thing that stood out to me in the action that I've seen over the last week I don't know what that you know, means for Microsoft earnings, but I just wouldn't really think that's a really interesting data point. of people's trust there.
3: I'd imagine that retail is reticent to sell the names that you just mentioned, too, even in volatility, yeah. the likes of which we saw today. You know, getting rid of a Microsoft or an Apple is a tough bet, as the man to my left always says, don't trade Apple, own Apple.
5: A- absolutely. I know Jim's a big supporter of Apple, and, you know, it's still the number one held stock at the firm. The other other thing I was going to say that we we absolutely learned today is that the electric vehicle space which was so popular with our clients toward the end of last year continues to be popular and I'll start with Tesla which is you know to me that stock more than probably any other is really a measure of client confidence and what we saw was when Tesla started to break a thousand we saw people start to buy it last week When it broke 900 today we really saw people come in strong to buy testing throughout the day so it tells me there still is some confidence there overall on the flip side of that scott ford has been a favorite in 2021 ford was an absolute favorite of our clients every single month one of the top buys actually as we hit 2022 that tune has changed a bit and in fact, over the last week or so, our clients were net sellers of Ford, which is not something, of course, we are used to seeing. So, you know, the Rivian's of the world still continue to be bought with Tesla. But that flip on Ford, I think, is also a really interesting data point that's new for 2022 and quite a bit more for the last week.
4: Well, uh, JJ, I, uh, Ford is owned by my child trust. It's great to see you. I'm sorry. And, and I think it's had such a great run. Like, who, who can blame anyone from taking profits? But what I want to know are, are, are people borrowing money? Uh, when this dip occurred today. Are they actually like mar- using margin? Because you know that that could be just fatal.
5: Well, uh, well, you know, Jim, people do use margin anyways um, as part of their trading. Uh, I will say it wasn't like an unusual amount of margin. And in fact, I think as we've headed to, what we saw at the end of 2021, as we went into 2022, Jim, is people taking actually a little bit less exposure to the markets overall than they had as uh, for the last few months of 2021. For December, our clients were actually net sellers of stock, which again is very, very uh, odd from a retail stock client base to see that. So they started to buy more, of course, as 2022 started as we had some of these moves, but we haven't seen people levering up on margin or anything else. I think one of the other events that may have affected this morning a little bit for the whole market is, as you know, Friday was the second largest options expiration of all time. So I think with that large move on Friday, you may have seen some people, not just our clients, but in general, have some equity positions they didn't necessarily expect to have on Friday. So I thought that that may have contributed this morning to a little bit of some of the selling. Interesting. You make a good point.
3: point. J.J., appreciate your time this evening. It's TD Ameritrade's J.J. Kinahan. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Jim. Jim, is an interesting variable in all of this because there's a good portion of retail, particularly the new investors who became involved in the stock market during the pandemic, who don't know what a gut-punching sell-off feels like.
4: Right. And I think that one of the reasons why they don't is because every time we got to a certain level, it just seemed like magical buyers. And it was just that kind of garden variety thing. And now this has been going on for days and we're, we're fermenting reasons. Uh, we have 8000 soldiers that may arrive in Ukraine. They got one hundred and five thousand that are massed with tanks. Last I looked, we don't have any, we, we don't have any tanks. Uh, obviously, Ukraine situation problematic. Uh, and that's concerning people. But you know what? I've got to tell you, I like what JJ said in terms of no margin. Or less margin. I like what he said about Ford. I think Ford is a company that's going to report a great quarter. It's mm-hmm. going to sell us maybe nine times earnings. I just saw that I, I bought a Maverick. They had to discontinue it because they just can't make enough. Now they're going to 2023. You love the CEO, Jim Farley. Jim Farley is a competitor. Jim's watching right now. And Jim, uh, mm-hmm. Jim doesn't like to lose. I, I think that what we're seeing are uh, betting against uh, Sadia at 276 may be a mistake, uh, but then someone could say, "Oh, well, Jim, you wise guy. Jamie Dimon, if you bet against Jamie Dimon. Well, you know, that was unusual. That was unusual. Jamie Dimon is really good, but that was an unusual conference call. I mean, kind of like head spinning. I mean, I'm a, I almost wanted to take my money and put it into like uh, Huntington Bankers.
3: <laughs> I want to ask you a question um, before we move on about retail. If we said on the way up in the stock market that at least part of it was due to the presence of retail, always buying the dip. Right. Retail was there. Doesn't it work both ways? What happens if retail disappears on the way down? Does that take away some level of support
4: inside the market? Yes. I think retail's in all this junk that was pumped out because it was so sexy. I mean, retail's in clear. I, my wife said, why are we in clear? The line that's not clear is like half the length of the clear. I said, well, that's because everybody likes clear. It's like, you know, it's like Groucho Marx, the, the, the club. I don't want to go. I mean, you, you know, we're in these situation. All birds, OK? Like my wife says, what are you wearing all birds for? I said, I don't know. I saw the stock was at 17. I mean, you know, you get in this situation where you look at these companies that came public, and there's millions of them, and they're horrible. Or then they're like Churchill 7, or they're like, you know, Gores 3. And, and you're saying, what did they do here? What did they do to us? What did they do? Did they just, like, is everybody in the wild card round? I mean, it's, it's just a travesty what they've done. They made a fortune, and now there's just a lot. I mean, a period, look, I, I had some good hits today. I recommended that maybe Blade was interesting. Okay, Blade, you know, chop, chop, chop. Mm-hmm. And then the East Hampton Airport shut it down. Uh, that was why I kind of liked it. Yeah. And and, and Rob Wiesenthal is good. I mean, it's a good company. It's interesting. But people are in it. It, there's no bids for any of this merchandise and I don't see any companies wanting to buy these companies I'll tell you what
3: uh, last note on retail JP Morgan was out with a real interesting note suggesting that the big whoosh we had in the morning yeah. was due to retail unloading more than 1.3 billion dollars worth of stock
4: that according well, to a strategy JJ you know they JP came Morgan. in long they got the calls they came in longer than they thought but it was retails retail's being blown out. And the people are really being blown. Other people really hate me. The ones, the psychotics that are in these meme stocks. Now, I gave $1,000 to their, you know, because I favor gorillas. I, I, not a hard cause. And, you know, they don't stop. They don't stop until they, well, find another game, right? We, we What's will, another game that they could go to? We will keep our eye My on the My wife plays Candy Crush. Investor. It's dynamite. They, she's got a new one. Worldly? Jimmy Fallon's addicted it's to it. It's become very popular. I think they're going to go to that. They're going to leave AMC and GameStop and they're going to go to the Worldly. But the problem is she only plays once a day. And I got, I got really skunked yesterday. She makes me play it before I go to bed. They should do that. Migration do my, migration of the apes. Yes, they should go from this thing that <laughs> they right. didn't know to that thing that they don't know. And then it's happily ever after. We're halfway through. That means we have 30 minutes no, more. No, we're of not. Jim. That's that same nonsense you always give me yeah. about when the show ends. It ends when we say it ends. OK, we, look, you're the suit.
3: That's true. Well, there are suits, you know, you have other of, suits.
4: Yeah. You know, there's regulation yeah. and then there's overtime.
3: OK. All right. Coming up between Omicron, inflation, the market instability. Is the American consumer cracking under all of this pressure? We'll speak to the top retail analyst next, Matt Boss. Welcome back, Consumer Discretionary, the best performing sector in the market today. Let's bring in the number one retail analyst on Wall Street, Matthew Boss. He is from JP Morgan. It's good to see you. How would you assess the state of the consumer as we think about retail stocks, Matthew? So there's a lot of moving parts. First of all,
10: thanks for having me on. Um, Look, I I would say unemployment under 4%, wages multi-year rise, and the consumer, in my opinion, coming out of What was actually the best holiday in 20 years? 9% normalized growth. That's on top of 8% a year ago. And that's as stimulus has waned as the the year has progressed. So tough lap that we're up against in the first and second quarter of this year as we go up against some of those incremental dollars. But I think the underlying consumer is robust. And the picture as we move into 2022 is actually solid. Well, Matt, it's Jim.
4: So glad you came on tonight. It's, It's a funny thing that happened John Duskin's a guy I've known for 35 years. He uh, worked with him. He met, came to me about the look, bed, bath, and beyond. I said, I don't know if that's any good. He, he filed this. Uh, the, after the standstill was over, he said, listen, I, I think Kohl's is cheap. And I'm like, eh, Kohl's. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I buy my uh, gold toe socks there. Well, it turns out there's two guys, two actually smart, smart groups that want Kohl's. And I felt, Matt, that you have to try to, as you did with an excellent piece this morning, maybe rethink your negativity—if you're believing we're about to go into recession—because if two very smart buyers are interested in a second-rate department store, some of these other situations you have are pretty good.
10: Jim, I, I think what you had that—that that, that, uh, across the tape Friday night and over the weekend, two different takeout bids for uh, retailer Kohl's—it <clears throat> was a shot across the uh, valuation bow for for the retail sector, meaning. The value or the offer right now that stands on the table for Kohl's is actually nearly a turn below where that company traded pre pandemic for the three years. Margins are higher. Balance sheets are less levered for the entire sector. Yet my multiples across my space are still 20 percent below where we were before this pandemic happened. So I think what it really highlighted was the magnitude of the move that's actually happened, meaning Kohl's before Friday or up till friday's close was down 40 percent since november 18th and so all you really did what you got back today was actually the move that we had seen since that time and that's as scott you said that's omicron supply chain constraints so a lot of things that i think as we move forward prove transitory but the underlying consumer strength the margin profile and the balance sheets are all better across my retail
3: sector appreciate you staying late for us tonight matt we will talk to you again soon that's matthew boss
4: JP Morgan, you have some valuation underpinnings there. I mean, now remember, uh, when you think about Kohl's, what you really have is something that's kind of eh, right? i mean, not great at it. But the the real estate underneath, for the part that they own, turned out to be a lot worth a lot more. Seven to eight billion dollars. Yeah. I Yeah. Well, a little low, a little low but Yeah. But what I like about what Matt said is go take a look at these stocks because they indicate that a lot of people felt we're going to be put into recession by Powell. Um, today's move says there are many buyers who are not thinking about Powell. They're thinking about companies. We fixate on Powell. It's funny, too, because I think he probably sits on me and goes, why are they
3: fixating? I me? think people are going to fixate on Mr. Powell over the next 24 <sighs> to 48 hours for certain. Uh, we will be right back. Crypto. People call Bitcoin the new gold. But lately, it's been anything but a safety trade. What's causing the massive swings? We'll give you the details when we come back. Believe it or not today's session was the first time since the aftermath of 2008 financial crisis that the Nasdaq had been down more than 4% only to end the day higher. But within the index not all tech stocks fared the same. Christina Parsinevelos has more. Christina
7: Scott, what whiplash with dip buyers emerging right before the bell. So like you said, the NASDAQ managed to break its four day losing streak, closing higher yet still below its 200 day moving or moving day average, I should say, which is often considered a bearish signal. So we got the most positive mover on the NASDAQ 100, which was meta, surprisingly, down right now in after hours trading, I should point out, versus the biggest lagger on the NASDAQ 100. That would be Apple shedding nine points from the index. Netflix continued its slide for the third straight day in a row, headed for its worst month since September 2011. And the dip buyers seem to have helped Kathy Wood's flagship ARK ETF, but today's almost 3% gain wasn't enough to offset recent losses, unfortunately. And semiconductor stocks weren't spared either. You got the SMH Semiconductor ETF that did finish higher, but every single constituent is still 10% or more off their recent highs. NVIDIA as well as AMD are down about 22% just in January alone. And the high growth sector continues, unfortunately, to bleed amid continued concerns about rising interest rates and high valuations, which I know you guys are talking about. Scott, over to you.
3: Absolutely, Christina. Thank you, Christina Parts and Nevelis. Now, one of the first signs of a market turnaround today actually came in the crypto markets, where Bitcoin went green late in the day. Kate Rooney has more on the rest of the crypto space for us tonight. Kate?
8: Hey, Scott. Yeah, Bitcoin bouncing back above $36,000 after a pretty choppy day of trading. The cryptocurrency touching its lowest level since July at one point today. It fell around $33,000, Ether, meanwhile, that's the second largest cryptocurrency, also recovering a bit from that six-month low. Bitcoin is still about 45% from the all-time high it hit late last year, and it has been trading really in line with some of the high-growth tech names. That's one effect of cryptocurrencies becoming more mainstream. You've got institutional investors buying Bitcoin over the past couple of years, and that was really seen as legitimizing for the asset class. But in times like today, some are selling crypto to get liquidity. Liquidity. Retail investors, meanwhile, appear to be losing some of their conviction lately. GlassNote analysts point out that the lion's share of selling this week is coming from those newer buyers. They call those short-term buyers. One way to measure investor sentiment is called the fear and greed index. Guys, that right now is at a 13 out of 100. Last month, for context, it was around a 39. Scott, back to you.
3: All right, Kate Rooney, thank you for that. How
4: closely, Jim, are you watching crypto and what's taking place in that market? Very close. And we had, a, I thought, a very good piece today using Tom DeMarc's work. Tom does fantastic work, longtime de- uh, technician. And he was saying that basically, and this is what we showed on, on MAD Money, that we are at exhaustion levels of selling. Uh, Bitcoin, a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit higher. Ethereum, which I own, I will buy tomorrow. I'll buy more Ethereum. Uh, I sold my theory much higher. I don't want to sound like, hey, well, I'm a genius. I mean, this stuff is, you know, phew. but I do feel that uh, his that DeMarc's work very clearly says that we hit the downside target for him. And he's been the most accurate of anyone I speak to or talk to, including all the people who come on air. Can you make the same then assertion
3: if a the- if crypto or Bitcoin has bottomed, Ethereum or, or what have you, that stocks have too?
4: Yes. Is there that much? of? A yeah, I actually think there is. Now, I think it's repulsive that there is because I like to deal with companies that make things, that sell things, that have a profit and have a dividend. Of course, this is the exact opposite. But I think we have to have a separation. You know, the Dogecoins of the world, I really think are uh, this is the death knell. Uh, and I say that because I want to be really mean to the people. No, I say that because because Gary Gensler came on Mad Money and said, you know what, guys, that's, that's a security. And for all we know, they print a lot of it every night. See, if I own shares of Caterpillar, I have a pretty good idea how many shares there are. How many tokens of those coin are there? And the answer is we don't know, but maybe they print some every
3: night. But there has that worries been, me. there has been at the very least this correlation between
4: crypto and risk assets like Oh, no, no, that's definite. It's just that I keep coming back to tomorrow you got to do some selling. If you own stocks that are selling at a multiple to sales, no, I'm sorry. You know, maybe the next, maybe it'll come around again sometime. But those those have had it until you see a major company like a ServiceNow buying one of these. Otherwise, we don't know how to value them. What's happened? You know, it's really very painful, Scott, because I sit there and think, well, what is that? That's valued at price-target boost, price-target boost, and that's not happening. I don't know how to value lemonade. I don't. I mean, why not my mom made the lemonade? I mean, it's five cents, you know. But it, I, I don't know how to value a lot of the companies that came public that everybody was so crazy about. Someone asked me today about Cloudflare. That's a really good company. But it sells at a gazillion to whatever, and I, I don't know how to value it. But but I, it's valued by whether like the Kathy Woods of the world get more money in. I don't want to play that Amarindo five hand. David Faber and I joke a lot about the, the funds of two thousand, and how they kept it afloat. And I don't want to be part. I don't want to be a flow funds guy. I want to be a comp- I want to look at companies that make things. Pay you dividends, have a finite number of shares, buy shares back, and make you feel like I'm investing in a great American club. Companies that
3: make things and do stuff is how you've been.
4: That's been saying my, it for the last ever since the November uh, yeah. conference call that we did for the
3: uh, the investment club. I, m- I remember you saying that as we were showing the futures as well. What folks, are you saying? folks? Might have noticed <laughs> when Jim was speaking, futures are lower here in the United States. Happen. Across the board, Asian markets, uh, they're open as well. Japan's Nikkei is down more than 1% in early trade there on pace for the fifth negative day in six. There's a look at Asian markets as we speak. Emily Tan has more from Hong Kong for us. Emily?
11: Hi, Scott. Good to see you. And following that extreme volatility in U.S. markets overnight, Asian markets over here are under pressure this morning. Concerns about the pace of the Fed's tightening and the spread of Omicron variant over in Japan sending the Nikkei lower. We are watching it trade down about 2% e-commerce, electronics, and transportation stocks leading the losses there. Similar losses for the Kospi in Korea dragged down by energy and banking stocks. This as the Korean economy expanded at its fastest pace in 11 years on record exports, marking 4.1% growth in 2021. Hong Kong and China markets up and running just for 15 minutes now, and we're seeing the Hang Seng Index already trading in bear market territory and trading down close to 400 points. Uh, the benchmark tech index that traded down 1.5%, half percent. Over in Shanghai, the composite there getting away with just a fractional loss down about half a percent. And down under the ASX 200 trading at near eight month lows. The banking sector is the top drag on the benchmark. Financials leading the losses as we wait on the Fed's two day policy meeting. That is look at the Asian trading day. I'm Emily Tan in Hong Kong. Back to you guys.
3: We'll watch it closely, Emily. Thank you. Still to come, is there opportunity amid all of this volatility? A top market strategist reveals where you should be looking tomorrow at the opening bell. Welcome back. A volatile day today with futures pointing lower, though. As you know, it's still early. Volume is light. Here to discuss where to find opportunity amid the volatility is Shannon Sakosha, Boston Private Wealth CIO, a CNBC contributor. It's good to see you, Shannon. Thanks for being here tonight.
12: Thanks for having me, Scott.
3: We heard from Jim Labenthal on the halftime show today, one of your investment committee colleagues who said this is capitulation. This is what it feels like. And he was a buyer. Were you? Mm
12: Well, we don't have a lot of cash in our portfolio. We added some names last week. Um, but I would be, if, if you have cash in, in the mar- that's not in the market right now, I think that there are certainly some opportunities here to be adding to names in certain sectors and industries. And I feel like Jim stole my thunder a little bit right, on, right before this. But um, there's definitely an opportunity here for, if you look out over the course of the next 12 to 18 months or so, Scott, there are some great companies that um, have been sold off significantly, really starting back in November. Um, that are opportunities to add here.
3: Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, Jim, I mean, I, right? I think I've always, committee uh, members you know, are certainly listening closely to the kinds of stocks that you're looking at.
4: Well, I'm blushing because she does fantastic work. I know her from your show, and it makes me feel better. I mean, actually, when you're out there saying things are good, and she has stocks, and she talks about, say, an Adobe or an Alphabet or a Meta or, or, or a Visa, I mean, these are companies, these are very high-quality companies whose multiples have shrunk dramatically. You could argue that Visa is a, a little too high, but they've come down a lot. And, and I think, Shannon, one of the things that people have to start thinking about is, when you have a stock that's down 200, 300 points, a high-quality stock, it isn't like we should just wake up today and say, oh, my God. I mean, was it the right time when it was up, like, 300 points a here?
12: Well, I think, Jim, you make a great point. I mean, the fundamentals have certainly changed in the market, right? I mean, we're, we're facing down a Fed. If we go back to 2015, this feels really similar to th- some of that pain that we had. Um, but if we go out 12 months past all of the rate hike, the first rate hike since 1994, 12 months out, we've got positive returns. Now, I don't think we're going to turn on a dime here. Um, I, you know, names like you said, names like Adobe, Salesforce. Um, but then you think about things like geopolitical risk, like an L3 Harris. You've got opportunities in financials and the exchanges with all of this volatility, ICE, CME. I, I think there are places here where you can play a little bit of combo defense and offense and not necessarily have to be really focused on these low margin or no margin high growth companies that are down by those significant declines to still situate your portfolio appropriately for 12 months from now when, oh, by the way, inflation will be better and we're still going to be growing above the pace we were at in 2019.
3: You know, Shan, it's interesting, as you say, uh, Salesforce, which we obviously know how much Jim likes the company and and Mark Benioff and and the like, um, it makes me think of higher multiple stocks. You know, as much as you love companies like that, are you thinking about stocks like that that have gotten hammered and many of them much worse than a Salesforce, for example even though that stock has been hit like a lot of others and thinking that eventually it's these kinds of things are just too good to pass up
12: definitely and and you've seen the the slow decline um, especially in the cloud uh, stocks over the course of the last few months and if i look out over the next two three five years scott I don't see a situation whereby we don't at least see growth in both cloud and hybrid compute that would point to adding to these names today. Now, are you gonna put, you know, if you're 100% cash on the sidelines, do you go all in tomorrow? You probably wanna be a bit more measured than that, but putting an initial position, particularly in some of these cloud stocks or some of the other names that have sold off in in these, again, Focus on margin. Focus on growth with margin. Focus on free cash flow. Those are the areas that are going to continue to be a great part of the portfolio. Dividend yield. Jim talks about dividends all the time. We love dividends. And I think that that's a great way to balance, as you said, some of these names that have been sold off with some of the things in your portfolio that you probably are also looking at from a cyclical perspective.
3: The comeback obviously felt great today, but our stomachs are still feeling A little bit upset. I'm sure you can understand that. And maybe you have the same kind of feeling as well. So with the Fed now on the horizon and the two day meeting set to begin tomorrow, what will you be listening for perhaps closer than anything else?
12: One of the things that we've seen over the last few weeks, Scott, and you can see it in the data, is we have seen some you know, modest softening on the economy. I don't think that that changes the Fed's stance, but perhaps it keeps them from being more hawkish than they would have been otherwise. I think that people who are looking for them to come in and bail out the stock market right now, that's not going to happen. But we have seen some weaker data, albeit not what we saw from the Delta variant based on Omicron. And so if we get a a measured statement from the Fed, again, I think this is either really no impact to the market, which would be great, or a negative impact to the market. I don't think there's a whole lot of upside surprise that's associated with Powell on Wednesday.
3: I appreciate your time uh, this evening. I know I'll see you back on our halftime desk at some point this week, Shannon Sakosha, staying up late for us um, tonight brings me. I'd like to finish the, the program getting your, your final thoughts as well as, as David Faber always asks you in, in the morning, which I'm sure he will right. tomorrow morning. The key to the market now it, the it, stock that you are the stock what? or two that you're going to be watching for in the morning that our viewers should,
4: too. We've complete. Well, it'll be IBM because IBM was up seven and then it was down uh, and IBM is important just has good yield. And IBM has traced out a pretty good story for next year. But people are skeptical. But that's topical. But you know what? We haven't mentioned all, the oils. And the oils are my favorite group. Uh, the oils win in a problem with Ukraine. They win at $85. They win if there isn't that much drilling. Uh, they're, they're very, very low still. And they take away a lot of the pain because a lot of them have good variable dividends. I can't believe I didn't mention them. That's my bad. Well, energy was the best-performing sector of last year. And, it's and it was already off to a great start this year. Well, because they stopped being crazy. I mean, a lot of these companies like to return capital, and they haven't. I mean, if you listen to Halberton call, I mean, they're going to structure it a little bit more. But the premium was at $13 million, so that was the high for December. But there's so much money being made there. We really ought to be thinking about that group so that we don't get – we won't get blindsided by international with that group. We'll win. So you mentioned, I think – let's bring it full circle. You mentioned at the
3: top of the program how far – Microsoft um, had fallen yeah. off of its highs. Now it reports earnings. So how critical is that earnings report going to be for the overall market well, when a sector like technology, Jim, is 25 or whatever percent of the S&P 500 and Microsoft is one of those FANG well, stocks that, yeah, I know. Plus well, well, that, that people have loved?
4: That narrative is, is the most talked about narrative in the world, which is these are the worst stocks. Of course, they're spending $280 billion to try to become great companies. Uh, I think that Microsoft is all about whether Azure is strong. Azure has to be incredibly strong. Someone might say, well, hold it It looks like now Google's making some moves. So Azure is the Achilles heel, potentially. Amy Hood is such a great CFO. I don't think she'll blow it. They did take some price increases. Uh, People will, I mean, no one's going to buy the, um, just because Brady's using it at the surface. But I do think that Brady. But I do think that there's enough to like I hope the market comes in as cold as it looks right now into the Fed. And then we're good. And Apple. Apple's down so much well. for the first time. It's not scorching higher. If Tim Cook does what I would like him to do, Mr. Cook, I would like him very much to break out the lifetime value of a customer. Because I now I pay money. I like, I hit a button today. I think I pay my credit card bill. And this thing is a cash machine. It's a slot machine and a cash machine. We didn't talk about gaming either. When does that bother me? But you want these stocks to stabilize
3: if you no. want to try and rebuild no, some of the damage go back that's to been done. where
4: were at 12 o'clock when uh, I was trying to, do, uh, trying to focus on my taxes for a second, and I realized I had lost so much money. What was the point of focusing on my taxes?
3: This is the whole reason why you need to pay attention at 1020 every morning. Oh my Thank god! Thank you dude, for being here. With
4: me and Jeff Marks.
3: It's been great doing this with you. you know, this is fun. Someone yeah.
4: said to me, you're going to be honest. They said, can you stay for 10 minutes? I said, what, are you kidding me? Scotty's the anchor. I stayed the whole thing.
3: I was, I was uh, really pleased, obviously, when they told me you were sticking
4: for the whole hour. Oh, can I just tell you, my wife, with 18 seconds left, left that game, and the other one with one minute left, left. Because these are all foregone conclusions. Why do you waste my time? It's an eternity with Patrick Mahomes.
3: Uh, <laughs> don't forget, you can get Jim's thoughts delivered to you daily uh, by signing up for the Investing Club. You can find out more at cnbccom Club or just point your phone at the QR code on the bottom of your screen. It'll take you right there. We mentioned futures. They are trading. Volumes, a little thin. We are lower, but that will do it for us. Tune into Worldwide Exchange tomorrow, 5 a.m. And Squawk, of course, at 6 a.m. I'll see you on the Halftime Report. Shark Tanks now. Love
4: you, buddy.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.